You ever sit down at your dinner table at night after you cook a long meal? Took you hours. You sit down at the dinner table and you start to eat it and you just look down and say, this sucks. Well, now you don't have to. Go to unitedharvest.com. Yeah, it's an ad. Tricked you. Unitedharvest.com to get high quality cuts of meat. I'm talking cross wasami angus beef. I'm talking American grass-fed lamb. I'm talking Hooterite pork. Canadian Hooterite pork. This stuff is incredible. I promise you will not be disappointed. Go to the website, unitedharvest.com. Type in the referral code, the promo code, FRIENDS15, all caps, FRIENDS15, for 15% off your first order, unitedharvest.com. I don't even know how to remotely start a podcast. Start a conversation. Yeah, podcast. If I could be any celebrity, I'd be Will Winner. Please, for the love of God, if you're listening to this and you still tuck your jeans and your boots, reach down, pull those bad boys out. All right, we're done with that. We're done with that. I am ninety-seven we- pounds of <laughs> twisted steel and sex appeal. Next. I should have brought my recorder. I could have played Hot Cross Buns. Is that illegal? <laughs> when our two moms listen to this podcast, they're going to be like... Yeah, our two moms. They're going to be super proud of us. Welcome <laughs> to the Keeper Pen. Merry Christmas. I was going to start singing, but I sound so bad when I Please sing. Please spare us all. Yeah. I, we would actually like... Lo- we would, no one would download the episode if, I, if they knew I was singing on it. But Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Holidays. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever you celebrate, happy, whatever. Um, We're back with an incredible guest. But before we get to that, um, I'm actually back in my childhood bedroom with the pink walls. I feel like such a little, I feel grown, actually. I feel like the elf movie when Will Ferrell's in that tiny house and he's like a full-size person. Like, I don't fit my bed anymore. The walls are closing in, but we're both back home, I think, right? Are you back home, Maddie? No, I'm back at work for the week. Oh, so she's a real, a real adult. But basically, we want to spend time with our families, time, you know, during the holiday season. So there will not be an episode next week. We will release again on the 6th. Don't hate us too much. We're just trying to be home and live in the moment, something that we preach about. So, yeah, Maddie, do you want to introduce our wonderful guests for this week? Yes. So with that being said, I would like to introduce Ruth Inman. I've had the pleasure of knowing Ruth for a while now. I would say that I was introduced to her from Adrian Platt uh, way back when, when I thought I was going to Oklahoma State. I had the pleasure of getting to know her a bit on that trip and have enjoyed following her on social media. And I got to stop and see her for a little bit last year when I was on the college tour with Jenna. So that was awesome. And we are just so thankful to have her on this evening. So Ruth, if you wouldn't mind, would you just go ahead and give us a little overview of the career that you're in right now? And then we can go from there. All right. Well, thank you ladies for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be on. And Jenna, I will add that I feel like the most adult I'm hiding in my closet right now <laughs> in order to, I love to be it. on I today. Love yes. 
Um, because, you know, being the communications professional I am, I know that it's sound is better when you have lots of things to absorb sound. So I am in my closet, you know, that's, that's how we roll today. Um, but thank you so much for inviting me to be on. I've enjoyed following along um, ever since you launched the podcast this summer and um, just an honor to be included among your guests. Um, so to introduce myself, would you guys like the, what I call the elevator pitch version or maybe more of the long drawn out version of my background and how I got to where I am? I would like the long drawn out version because I'm intrigued to know. All of it. While you're in the closet. I love it. Okay. So I'm not super comfortable or used to kind of giving like my way back, like how I grew up in my early days version recently, because I think the older you get, the more it seems like, oh, some of those things that, you know, you did in high school or elementary school or even in college seem irrelevant. But if I think about it, I think maybe they are relevant to the conversation we're having today because a lot of your listeners likely have had similar experiences to me. Um, so I'll just, I'll start where I'm at now and then kind of go back to the beginning. So my current position, I am an assistant professor in agricultural communications at Oklahoma State University. And um, I've been doing that for about two and a half years. And my journey to get there started like a lot of people in agriculture. I grew up on a farm and a ranch, a very typical Oklahoma wheat and cattle operation. And um, it was in fact homesteaded by my great, great grandfather in the Cherokee Strip land run in 1893. So my parents have been living there home and at least 30, 40 years now. And it's been in my family for 127 years. So, but a really typical Oklahoma wheat and cattle operation. And I got my first taste of agriculture really, really early. I remember as early as three, I would sit on the tractor all day, um, spend about half the day with my mom and then spend half the day with my dad. Both of my parents farmed. And that's just, that's just how I rolled when I was a toddler and a little kid and then all the way up through early elementary school. Um, my parents decided they wanted me to actually get involved in the farm. And they had some, a commercial uh, Angus cow-calf operation. And they decided we're going to get our daughters um, some red Angus heifers for a couple of reasons. The first reason being they wanted us to be able to go out to the pasture and point and say, hey, those red ones, those are different than those black ones. Those are mine. And the idea was, was that we were going to show heifers. We were going to be a cattle showing family. And that never came to fruition because when I was eight years old, I started showing sheep instead. It seemed like a kind of a easier jump into that show world. My parents were really naive to it, didn't know a whole lot. So we started out with sheep because it was probably a little bit easier to get into. And really just, I fell in love with it. I had what I would call kind of moderate success showing sheep um, in Oklahoma. Um, probably had more success with my Dorset ewes than I did with my weather lambs, but um, really, really enjoyed it. And that was kind of the foundation for how I met a lot of the people who I became friends with and who I'm still friends with. Um, and then the natural step from showing in 4-H was to go into FFA in Oklahoma. And I... Um, had a pretty diversified SAE project. Um, everything from farming some wheat with my parents um, allowed me to, I also build, built on my Red Angus cow herd that I still had. I still had the Red Angus cow herd. We just didn't show them. And um, 
built a pretty successful SAE. And I was lucky enough that I was um, state star farmer in Oklahoma in 2003. And I won three national proficiency awards through FFA and um, was a finalist for American Star. All of that to say that I was really, really good at writing applications. And I had a pretty good amount of success with public speaking. And so some of those experiences that I had and the things that I was interested in when it came time to choose a college, it made a lot of sense for me to study agricultural communications. Um, I really liked writing and um, I went and I studied ag communications at Oklahoma State with the intent to go on to law school. Um, all when I was growing up, super into ag, super into writing, super into also arguing with people. <laughs> and my parents said, hey, you're gonna be a really good attorney someday. And I thought so too. Um, but my time in college, I think like, like most people, you really learn, you really learn a lot about yourself. And about my junior year of college, when I was getting ready to take the LSAT, I kind of had this aha moment. And I thought to myself, if I go to law school, I will probably not like myself very much as a person. I was super competitive. I probably would not slow down to have a family. And I sort of changed my trajectory because I knew that law school was going to turn me, just my own personal characteristics into somebody I didn't really like. And at the same time, I really liked what I was doing in my classes in college. So I decided to stick around and get a master's degree in AgCom from Oklahoma State um, instead of going to law school. And it was a really, really good decision for me for a few reasons. It allowed me to stay in Stillwater, where when I was in grad school, I met the guy who I'm now married to. Um, when I was in grad school, I met my now husband. And we started dating pretty seriously. And toward the end of my master's program, as I was starting to look around and think about, okay, like it's time for the, the real big kid world. What, what do I want to do? I had some really good advice from my academic advisor who told me, she said, really, you can either choose your job or you can choose where you live. It's really rare to be able to, especially as a 22, 23, 24 year old to pick the job that you want in the town where you want to live. And so I started thinking, yeah, that's some, that's some good advice. So I'm going to start looking for maybe uh, the best okay-ish job that could keep me in close proximity um, to the guy I was in a serious relationship with. But instead of an okay-ish job, um, I found a really, really awesome first job. It was sort of that perfect, oh my goodness, I found the job that I want in the place where I want to live. I was able to write out of my master's program. I was the director of marketing at the business school at OSU. So I just kind of kind of stuck in Stillwater and I bleed orange and I don't apologize for it, but it was a really good job. I was able to do um, basically the job description was every single thing I had learned in my undergraduate and my master's program. I was doing it day to day in my job. I was designing all the graphic design materials. I was writing all the press releases. We had a closed access television channel on campus and I had interns who were helping me create content for that. And I was taking photos for the college and I was doing, you know, I kind of called it chief cook and bottle washer for a while. It was just me and a couple interns. That job turned into a bigger job and grew while I was there for a few years. Um, 
And by that time, my husband, Trent, and I um, were married. He works for an ag chemical company um, called Corteva. It used to be um, Dow and DuPont were the legacy companies. They um, merged a few years ago. And so we were kind of putting down roots in Stillwater, and it was time to start a family. And he and I had the conversation that I loved my job. I didn't want to be the kind of mom who didn't work. But I also, for me and for us, we did not want to have to put our kids um, in full-time time daycare. So we were trying to figure out when I was expecting my first child, what what was next? What, what was I going to do? And the opportunity arose. It was, it's a God thing. The opportunity arose for me to go back and serve as an adjunct instructor back in the AgCom program part-time and work on my PhD. And so I was not working full-time, but I also wasn't a completely stay-at-home mom. I said I was kind of for a few years, I was kind of a stay-at-home most of the time mom. Um, and I had my son Fletcher in 2011 and my son Dax in 2013 was working on my PhD that whole time. And um, by the time my oldest son started pre-K, I was about ready to start and step back into the workforce. And it was another great opportunity to do what I wanted to do, where I wanted to do it. And I was able to take a position doing professional marketing for our division of ag sciences and natural resources at Oklahoma State and um, do that for a few years full-time right there in Stillwater. Um, finished up the PhD the, in the first year I was on that job. And then a couple of years later, there was a faculty position that came open that aligned really closely with what my interests are, which are digital media and um, integrated marketing campaigns and helping um, with that applied aspect of AgCom. And um, that faculty position came open at OSU and I took it. And that leads us to where I am today. So about two and a half years into that, into that, my oldest son um, was old enough for 4-H last year. And um, we have been showing for a few years. My kids show pigs. And um, we are just kind of living that dream life right now where we've got some pigs on feed this winter. The kids are rejected potting as much as we can. Um, and we're just rocking and rolling. My husband and I are both still kind of working from home a lot of the time. I go back and forth to campus as I can for class. And now I'm sitting in the closet talking to you gals. <laughs> I love that. I think that that was, you even, I was just sitting there thinking, wow, like when you're talking about picking your job and where you want to live, that was a lot, a lot. I could relate to that because I think that that's something that um, people, especially if I had to realize I'm not going to have the perfect career, um, right out of college, I'm going to have to make some life decisions and some tough decisions. And I think that you had to do that. And I guess I want to talk or what your advice on moving forward and kind of, um, making decisions for yourself, what your advice is to people who are listening. Yeah. So I think I take a very, Mm, the older I get, the more strategic I feel like I am, but maybe I still don't have it figured out. But, you know, when I was 22, 23 years old, I was kind of, I was looking at 
what's going to happen in the next two years. I thought I was being super strategic thinking about, okay, I've got this relationship and what do I want my job to look like two years down the road? Or maybe at most I was kind of thinking five years down the road. And so I lucked out in that I didn't really have to play that long game to think about, okay, I can tough it out and do something for a couple years because I know 10 years down the road, it seems like a long time, but trust me, ladies, if you blink, it will be here before you know it. Um, So I would say what I did, um, I thought I was being strategic and it worked out for me, but the biggest piece of advice that I could give is you've got to play that long game. And if you really want to work in a particular industry or with a particular um, type of organization, you've got to think about, okay, what the people who've worked for that organization for 10 or 15 years, what did they do to get there? Where did they have to move to get that job? Because I'm very blessed that I haven't really moved in much of a very big radius from where I grew up. It wasn't intentional. It just worked out that way. But if I had a dream job or a dream company that I wanted to work for or an industry, um, it would have been really smart for me to pack my bags and to move to wherever they want me to go um, to do that just for a little bit of time because, um, as you know, large organizations move people around. Or even if it's a small organization, again, look at what those people who worked there 10 to 15 years, what did they do to get there and kind of think about how you can model that. I like that advice quite a bit because I think that so many people, you know, especially Sometimes they look at a position, let's say that you have, and don't often think about all the steps that it took to get there and want it to sort of happen overnight. So I think it's really important to consider that when you're looking at someone's career and might want to, you know, dive into something like that. Um, I was just thinking about like doing a PhD and raising a family how did you balance all of that between schoolwork and your job and home life showing? I mean, that sounds like so much to juggle. Oh, you know, and, and this is something that, that I say quite often, Maddie, is that I am not in the business of being in the overwhelmed Olympics. I don't like it when people kind of like hype themselves up about how busy they are because everybody's busy. We are all busy and different people's types of busy isn't more important than someone else's. So that's the advice that I also give to young people is if someone older than you, or maybe who has a different set of things going on in their life, wants to make you feel bad about feeling overwhelmed or being busy, then that reflects more on them than it does on you because everyone's busy is important. So for me, for a while, my type of busy was just, my, my days looked a little bit like this. My type of busy was that I would get up in the morning and, um, you know, had, had two under two for a while. I had two in diapers for a while. Um, my husband is, um, he travels a lot for his job. So I was also at home by myself with the kids quite a bit, but the beauty of his type of job is that when he's gone, he's gone, but when he's home, he's home. Whereas, um, if he had the typical like nine to five office job, you know, every day he'd be out of the house all day and, and you'd be kind of on your own. So, um, there was a little bit of give and take there. Um, but my day was that I would get the family ready and want to kind of go off and start their day. And um, if I had class that I had to go teach or class that I had to take, I was really lucky that I had a, a 
have a great rotating set of college girls who um, came uh, came around and babysat for me for just two or three hours here and there. They were great livestock families, livestock girls. They would come in um, and babysit for me. Um, I don't know if you guys know Mackenzie Squire. She babysat for me for a while and Jamie Hoffman babysat for me for a while. Jamie um, Bumgarner, now Hoffman. Um, and it was really great that I could trust them to just kind of fill in that gap for a while while I was in class. And then I would come home and do the mom thing and then the schoolwork and grading and that kind of stuff. It would generally happen from like 10 o'clock at night till two o'clock in the morning. Um, and so didn't really have much of a sleep schedule for a while. And it was just my type of busy, but that's how I made it work. Um, a lot of times people ask about balance and another piece of advice that I would like to share there is that, um, it took me a while to, to get this into my head. And so I like to share it, like even before people have kids start thinking about it this way, balance doesn't mean that you've got all these balls in the air and you're juggling them and you're keeping them all up in the air at the exact same time. For me, what balance means is that you've got to look at those balls and you've got to figure out, okay, which ones of these are plastic today and which ones are glass? And you got to make dang sure that you keep the glass ones up in the air and you don't let those fall. So whether that's a deadline on a paper or if that's that you've got to go for an appointment or your kid has a... Um, you know, program at school or a 4-H meeting, or, you know, I've got to make sure that I've got a couple of days on the weekend where I can pack up and go to a show for the weekend. Um, those are the glass balls, but the plastic ones are the ones that you can let it slide and you can let it drop. As long as you pick them back up and put them back into rotation, that's what balance looks like to me. That was, that was very inspirational. I think that we need to like repeat that was really good. Um, cause I was like, wow, that is, yeah, that's very important because I think that, you know, I'm a, I'm a busy college girl or everyone's busy. And I agree with you that like we, people have a lot of things going on and you get overwhelmed when you think you have to do everything in one day and not just starting to prioritize. Um, so what I want to kind of focus on now, because you do such a great job at it and you have multiple degrees is talking about agriculture and the trends of agriculture and the trends of agriculture communications, things that you think that we're doing good at and things that we need to do better as better at as an industry. I know that's broad. I know that's a heavy loaded question, but your insight. Okay. I'm going to see what I can provide to this because as, as you mentioned, ag and food and natural resources and the environment and all of that is, it's so big, it's so massive and it's hard to, to pinpoint, you know, I think this is a specific trend in ag communications. Um, but since you asked the question, I will do my best to answer it. Um, I think regarding, you know, ag communications as an industry or as a profession, um, I wanna unpack that a little bit first because I think we talk about ag communications a lot, but there's really, there's a couple of different ways to think about it. Ag communications on one hand is the, it's just that practice of we are talking about agriculture and food and the environment and natural resources. We're communicating about those topics and anyone involved in those industries and even consumers are involved in that process. Anytime there's dialogue about those things, that's ag communications. 
But on the other side of that coin is the um, realm of professional communicators, people whose job it is, whether it's marketing or it's sales or it's communications or it's PR, um, that they're professionally communicating about those topics, whether that's for an organization, whether that's for a company, whether that's for themselves or what what have you. So to break that off into two pieces, um, I'm going to talk about the one that is nearest and dearest to my heart because what I do on the daily is prepare people to be professional communicators. So a trend in that, I think, is that we have to continue to prepare professional communicators who are open-minded and are not simply there to advocate. I think advocating is amazing. I think advocating and people who have a passion for advocating for whatever the topic is, um, that's so important in our day and age because we do have the ability to have a voice through social media more than um, we ever have in the past. But as a professional communicator, it's the job of the communicator to be able to listen, to be able to react rationally, to be able to um, learn, evolve, and perhaps even change their opinion about things over time. Um, And if you are going to use your skills as a professional communicator, as an advocate, understanding the side of the person who may not... um, like what you're doing or agree with what you're doing or understand what you're doing and in whatever the topic is, whether it's ag or something else, um, that's really, really paramount. So I don't know if that's a trend, but I think that that's something that we definitely, that I see my job in higher education as a top priority as we're preparing professional communicators. Um, So that's a little bit about that. On that same token, I'm just curious, and I realize we hadn't really talked about this, but do you have any advice for a student from a, you know, the perspective of a professor? Absolutely. You know, part of my job um, as a professor is um, I am an an advisor. And so I like to think that I try to stay um, in touch with what students need to hear and what young people who are beginning to embark on their lives need to hear. So I'll just share with you guys some of the things that I um, make it a point to share with students in my classes or my advisees. Um, One of which I kind of alluded to this earlier is that you need to be prepared as a student to change your opinions about yourself during your time in college. Like you might think that you want to do something or that you're really good at something. And that opinion of yourself as you evolve and grow and change in the four years that you're or longer that you're in college, um, regardless of the institution, you need to be prepared for that because it might take you off guard. It took me off guard when I had planned my whole life that I was going to be an attorney. And I looked up one day when I was 20 years old and I was like, wait a minute, I don't, I don't think this is, this is what I want to do. And then I, I had to to deal with that and to figure out, um, what I did want to do. Um, so that's my first piece of advice. Be prepared to change your opinion about yourself or, or to have some kind of epiphany sometime in college. Um, 
My second piece of advice, specifically for someone who wants to go into marketing or communications or maybe work in social media or digital media, is I always tell students, um, I say, congratulations, you've chosen a degree program that the day that you graduate is the day you start have to relearn everything because it's going to change. Um, I always joke, like the animal science guys, like they can use the same slides from 1972 because the rumen is the same now as it was in 1972, and it'll be the same in 2052. And so it, it just, it's, it's the same thing, but that's the beauty of AgCom is that it's perpetually changing and that's what makes it so exciting to me. So being prepared to be a lifelong learner, if you're not into lifelong learning, then AgCom might not be a great fit for you. Um, a third thing that I like to share um, is just kind of my philosophy about what education is and what your time in college should be. And you know, there's a lot of debate out there right now, and I think rightfully so, that not every single person needs to go to college. And it's probably very shocking for some people to hear that from a college professor saying that, um, but not everyone needs to go. But if you choose to go, what a college degree will do for you is number one, it's going to set you up with that content knowledge. Number two, it's going to help you grow and change as an, as a person and show employers that you're able to complete something. And number three, what the process of college does as education is education is just a launching board that helps you go further, faster. Um, the more education you have, just the further you can go with whatever your, um, understanding of something is, whatever your aspirations are in your career, it's just that launching off point. So I've probably rambled long enough on that. I could, I could do that all day though. I love giving life advice. You should continue to do it because you're very good at it. You're very good at giving life advice, but I, I really do like what you said there that, you know, not, not everyone in this industry. Um, I know that we consider this podcast very focused towards um, young people, young women targeted in the livestock industry. And I know that we get listeners from all over and I'm so happy about that, but you know, there's a kind of a stigma. And I think I've talked about it before that you got to go, you know, to a big ag school and stay, keep your job in this in ag and stuff like that. If you're, you're raised doing that. And while a lot of people love and want to do that, it's not for everyone. You know, people need hairdressers and firefighters. And I know there's a lot of kids that Maddie and I showed with that, go to the military and do a lot of incredible things and they don't go to college. So kind of wanted to put my two cents on that. If you're listening and college isn't for you or college is for you, do what, what's going to make you happy. United Harvest procures the finest meats from the finest ranchers, farmers, and butchers. Many of you know the difference between farm-raised and store-bought meat. Having eaten those meats, I can guarantee you that they are the most superior steaks you'll ever eat. By offering the highest quality ag products directly to consumers, United Harvest is able to both bypass middlemen, pushing profits back to the American farmer and rancher, and providing the highest quality meats to you. No cold cows here. Please go to unitedharvest.com and type in the discount code FRIENDS15 to enjoy 15% off your first order. That's FRIENDS15. Ladies and gentlemen, these are premium cuts of meat with the company paying nearly twice the market price to cattlemen for their finest cattle. 
you will not be disappointed. Back to Ruth and back to what you think. Um, I want to talk about like, just, I don't even know what to say next. Like balancing work and fun in college and being a mom. And I know we talked about this, but just from like a young perspective, like how to have fun, but how to keep like your, your reputation clean, like stuff like that with moving and wanting to get jobs moving forward. If that makes any sense. I know that was a strung out question, but sure. And, and uh, Jenna, this is something as a parent, especially as a parent of um, children who are just now kind of old enough to have phones and to kind of branch off into that world. Um, something that I think about quite often and that my husband and I talk about quite often is that um, this, I'm going to go on a little tangent before I get back to your question, but I promise I'll get back to it. Um, but, but I think tied up in your question is just this idea of what does it mean to be an adult not just now today, but what does the world look like in 15 years? Um, that's, that's something that as we raise our kids, we have chosen junior livestock programs, 4-H, eventually FFA, most likely here in Oklahoma. That's, that's um, just kind of a given for ag kids. Um, for our kids, those are the ways that we think we are going to help ensure that our kids are going to be successful in life. We firmly believe, Trent and I both believe, that there are a lot of ways for kids to become successful adults. We just know that the model of junior livestock programs, 4-H youth development programs, and FFA programs are a pretty proven model um, to help kids be successful. Not that my kids aren't going to play sports, not that my kids aren't going to do other things, be involved in music, stuff like that, but, but we know that as the core of what we want our kids to be involved in, um, we know that that's a pretty proven model. But we also know that we're trying to prepare our kids, not for what the world looks like today, but for the, what the world is going to look like in 15 years when they're kind of in the same spot that you guys are in right now. Um, so back to your, back to your question. I promised I would get there back to the question about advice about, um, how do you live your life in such a connected world where um, the mistakes I made in college, they're not documented. I mean, Zuckerberg and I, Zuckerberg and I are the same age. And so he was inventing Facebook when I was in college. I remember when I got Facebook in college. Um, in fact, ironically, I'm a digital media professor now, but I was kind of a hold off and chose not to get it until grad school because I thought it was kind of creepy because back in 2006, when Oklahoma State got Facebook, you had to have a college email to get on and you could find people based on who was in your class. And they actually have that now called Facebook Campus. It's like full circle. They just launched it again this fall, but it's kind of creepy. Like it was just about the poking and it was super weird. Um, but when I graduated and all my friends went off um, to, you know, various parts of the nation and world, I realized that Facebook was a good way to stay in touch. Um, so Facebook was kind of barely around when I was in college and grad school, but I promise you that all of my um, fun times in college were not documented the way that they are today. And that, so I'm lucky that I don't have to worry about that, but I'm also terrified for my kids. <laughs> um, so I don't know, you guys might have more relevant advice about this than I do. Cause you're living it as, as young people kind of coming up with everything being documented. Um, I would just say that 
that walking that fine line between being real and being authentic and being true to yourself, but also at the same time, like maybe you edit out like the top 10% of stuff that you really wouldn't want to be public. Maybe you just make a little pact with your group of friends that maybe we're just going to try to keep, keep our phones away. If, if, uh, if it's really not something that we want the whole world to know about, because I know college students have fun and that's part of that early adulthood experience. Um, I really just don't have a lot of super great advice for that. I don't know. Maybe they need to edit this to make me sound a little smarter about this. That's okay. I, I just went through it and I still don't have very good advice and I don't think Jenna does either. I mean, and we should have probably taken portions of your advice because last time I checked our Texas trip was far too documented. We documented everything too much, but I, I agree. (laughs) It's such a a hard, like, like line to, you know, I was asking, you know, from the student to professor thing, but even like, no one has it figured out really, because, you know, I know that our audience likes our real vulnerability, the fact, and we're probably too real and too straightforward. So then we lean on the side of being too out there with their information. And then there's some people you want to get a job and they can't, you can't find anything on them. And then it's just, it's a really, it's a gray area. And I've been in uh, the heat of livestock judging and gray areas and subjective things are just on my mind. And so that is a gray area topic. But for anyone who is listening, just if you want your grandpa to see it, then post it. If you don't, then don't post it. Maybe that's the best advice. Yeah, Jenna. And as you were talking, I did have something come to mind that might not be super helpful, but maybe it may, maybe it would be for a few people is just this idea of, I think what turns people off of specific people um, on social media is when they're kind of inconsistent on social media. And maybe you're it's like a little schizophrenic and trying to figure out like, who is this person? What's their story? What are they trying to portray about themselves? So maybe we'll take this question instead of how do you edit out? It's about building a foundation of the story that you do want to tell about yourself. So I always say that if you look at my social media, which I don't use social media to try to be an advocate, to try to be an influencer, to try to really um, have an end goal other than I want to communicate about myself. And if you look at my social media, the the themes that you're going to see there are a few things. Um, I love my family. I love my kids. I love the things that they're involved in. So you're going to see a lot of pictures of my kids. You're going to see a lot of pictures of my dog. You are going to see a lot of things about my job and about coffee. Like those are the things I post about. I post, I also really like fashion. So um, for a while, my students talked me into like, like post an outfit of the day. And I kind of indulged that for a while. And then I felt like it was kind of narcissistic and silly. So I stopped. Um, but I kind of have a consistent message of the things. I think if you were to peruse my profile, you could say, oh, I can tell what this person is about, what they like, what they enjoy. Um, So maybe that's my advice is just think about what is the story you want to tell about yourself and try to keep that story as authentic to who you are as a person, because it will be easier to do that and present that kind of story. So then if you 
do just, you know, someday you're feeling extra salty and you want to tweet about something that really riles you up. The rest of your feed is like, it shows kind of the complete picture of who you are. I completely agree with that. And I'm glad that you added that. I think that that's really important to remember, especially like you said, I mean, the world revolves around everything with the internet and social media. And I know that that's probably not a really good, great thing to say, but it seems like that's what's happening right now, especially with the COVID environment that we're in and all of that. So anyhow, Ruth, if you wouldn't mind, I know this is a really strange question, but would you mind telling all the listeners how you and Trent met? I know we had talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'd love to hear the story. Yeah. So I am more than happy to do that. And I'm sure Trent will love to, to hear me talk about how he's just my Prince Charming. So he's going to eat this up. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier that I met Trent when I was in grad school. Um, what I didn't mention and that I love telling people is that he's 10 years older than me. So I was 22 and he was 32 and um, he was living in Stillwater and he was working for um really briefly for a pharmaceutical company. He had worked for Dow Sciences for a long time. Um, when he was, it was his internship in college. And then he worked for them. He moved around. He lived in Indianapolis where their headquarters were, and he wanted to get back to Oklahoma. And so really briefly, he worked for a pharmaceutical um, company doing sales. And about the time that we met, he um, went back to work for Dow. Um, so that's a little bit about his background. He's a typical um, Oklahoma FFA kid too. Um, but we grew up about 30 minutes from each other, but never knew each other because we were 10 years apart in age. And I had a good friend from FFA that was also an AgCom student um, who called me one day and said, hey, we are trying to put together the biggest Oklahoma State homecoming tailgate this town has ever seen. And if you know anything about Oklahoma State University, you know we take homecoming very seriously. We have America's largest homecoming. It is an ordeal. And so I said, sure, count me in. I'm going to go to this tailgate. It's going to be so much fun. And um, it was Trent's tailgate. It was Trent's tailgate, and it was a really, really big tailgate. Um, they had it catered by Outback, which is crazy if you know us now because we're all about food and cooking it ourselves. But for whatever reason that year, he decided to get it catered. Um, I showed up to this tailgate with a friend of mine and um, met Trent, and I could tell he was kind of into me. You know, you can just tell. And I called my mom, and I said, Mom, I think this guy is going to ask me out on a date but he's 32. And she said, no, you need to go. Older guys have their act together. You definitely need to do this because older guys are so much better than younger guys. So it's like, okay, my mom says it's okay. So I'm going to go on a date with this guy. And um, I happened to be hanging out with Adrian like the night before our first date. And just lo and behold, she knew him. And she knew him through Travis. And um, so she kind of gave me the lowdown on him, on Trent. We went on our first date. Um, and this was like early November. And so Adrian and I actually road tripped down to Duncan um, for the sale a couple weeks later, like right at the beginning of my relationship um, with Trent. And um, that's our love story. Uh, he proposed to me where we tailgate. 
Um, it's a big part <laughs> of, of what we do. Um, although now this year it's been a little bit less prevalent for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, COVID. Number two, our kids, as I mentioned, are kind of just right at the beginning of um, kind of that we jackpotted for a while when they were little, but more more serious shows and the, the big national shows in OIE um, now. Um, and we also, we host um, a pig sale in the fall that we, um, it's a consignment sale called Holy Smoke Pig Sale. Um, and that takes up quite a bit of our time in the fall as well. Um, so tailgating is still really important to us, but we have some other things that take up some time now too. I love, that was awesome. We haven't had any love like stuff and I don't, it's just Christmas and we're all in good spirits and you definitely can tell. I agree with what you said, Ruth, like you just know when a guy's into you and it's not narcissistic. There's just, you just can tell. Um, Maddie and I, you know, I'm in a relationship now and we just, we love love ish sometimes, but, um, yeah, so talk, about I love. Your, talk about your, your kids. We're going to end on the happy it's Christmas time. Let's talk about what your boys are good at their personalities, being them all. Okay. This is another one. I can ramble for a long time. So if I need to need to stop, you guys just have to tell me. Um, but yes, I'm just like every other mom in the world. I think that my kids are awesome. Um, and, um, I think a lot of people agree, <laughs> but Fletcher, as I mentioned, he was born in 2011. So he's nine last year was his first year to show at OIE. Um, although it did get shut down the day that we pulled in and got unloaded. So, um, that was memorable. Um, but Fletcher is in a word gregarious. He is the kid who everybody knows everybody at every show we went to when he was four and five years old knew him. I'm will forever be known as Fletcher's mom instead of uh, Ruth Inman, because he's just, he just got one of those personalities that if you talk to him, you're going to get to know him because he's just very, very outgoing, very, very gregarious. Um, the kid's just smart as a whip. He, um, I always tell this really cute story. Um, he was talking to, um, Landry wrote a ball once and he's Landry said, are you, do you play sports? Are you into sports? And Fletcher said, well, um, if you consider reading a sport, I'm really good at that sport. <laughs> so he just, he's just into school. He's into learning. I like to say that both of my kids, before I talk about Dax a little bit, my youngest, both of my kids, they get what I call cool traits. Like they're, they are livestock savvy. They are really good at talking to people. They get that from their dad and they get their nerdy traits. They're 100% nerd traits. They get them honest. They're from me. Things like they're technology literate. They're really into technology. They're really into learning and reading and all that stuff. So together, um, it's a pretty interesting personality combination. And then my littlest one, Dax is seven. And he is the kid that Trent and I always said, um, he was quieter than Fletcher, but a lot more ornery, you know, typical younger kid. He's the kid who's going to stand second in line and whisper to the kid in the front of the line, like something naughty to do. And the first one's going to get in trouble because they're going to do it, but it's Dax's idea. That's totally, <laughs> that's to totally him. Um, 
he is, whereas Fletcher's really into reading and um, technology, and I think he'll probably be an engineer someday. Dax is more of the, he's a little bit softer hearted. He's a little bit sweeter, but he's really good at math and he's um, just he's just a sweetheart where Fletcher's just like really outgoing and kind of clownish. Dax is really sweet and endearing. Um, both of my kids love livestock. They love Legos. Um, so we are living our best life right now because they're kind of right at that age where the showing, it's not a chore to go to shows. It's not like you're babysitting them at shows. It's like, they actually get it. They actually, um, can clean the pins themselves. That was life-changing last summer when they could actually, like scoop the pen out and clean it all by themselves. Um, I always say there's a reason why they say like you need to be nine years old to show at these big shows because the nine-year-olds are the ones that can actually do it by themselves and mom and dad are having to pull quite as much of the weight for them. That's so funny that you say that. And hopefully Adrian listens to this because I think she's still dreaming of that day. Oh, um, I know. And now Adrian's got three puppies to keep up with too. <laughs> Yeah, I I text I text her the other day and I'm like, what on earth are you thinking? You've lost it. No, I'm just kidding. You know, she's she is like just the champion of juggling all sorts of things. So super um, mom for sure. Yeah. So Ruth, we so appreciate you taking the time to join us this evening. We've loved getting to talk with you and I think it's fair to say that if anyone is interested in attending Oklahoma State, contact Ruth. That's what, you know, she led me there and I had a great experience. So, and I'm sure she'd be happy to show you around. Yes, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I'm, I'm not here to recruit, but if anyone is interested in AgCom as a career path, whether it is through Oklahoma State University or not, absolutely, I would love to um, talk to anyone um, and help them find a university experience that best fits them. I love that. And Merry Christmas, everyone. We can't wait to see you on January 6th. Happy birthday, Jesus. Are you tired of being ugly? Are you tired of wearing boring clothes? Did you finally throw away your rock revitals? Revivals? Well, head over to the Stock Market Boutique. You will get new jeans. Thank Jesus, okay? And they're flare, so you can't tuck them into your boots, which we're excited about. And then you'll put a cute shirt on, and you'll just be ready to go. That's the Stock Market Boutique. And then you're going to go, and you're going to use the code... TKP10, the Keeper Pen 10 abbreviated, obviously. And you're going to get 10% off your order. And then you're going to wear it around. And you're going to tag us in your pictures. And we're going to just hype you up like we always do. And you won't be ugly anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Check it out. And that's the T, sis. And that's the T.